Do not worry. everyone welcome to the third episode of do not worry i'm your host anthony coming to you once again from the heart of beirut and jaitewe uh, i just wanted to take a second before we get started with anything to say thank you to every single person who has subscribed to the channel who's left a like who's left a comment you guys have no idea how much that all means to me how much all the engagement does to help the channel especially that this is a brand new channel so thank you from the bottom of my heart um, we've also already passed 550 subscribers. We did it in two weeks, which I was not expecting. We now have a new goal. Let's cross a thousand subscribers. And I need you guys who have not subscribed yet to hit that subscribe button. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of cool videos coming up. Thank you so much for the support. I honestly don't take anyone's time for granted. I know how much entertainment there is out there for you guys to watch and choose from. So the fact that you're choosing to spend any amount of time with me, whether it's five minutes watching a segment or you're watching the entire episode, I do not take it lightly. Thank you so much. We have a lot of interesting topics today. We're going to be talking about uh, Adil Karam versus Tony Kanaan. We're going to be talking about a tweet that went viral, sort of describing the fact that journalists might be getting the COVID vaccine before a lot of people in Lebanon. That caused an outrage on Twitter, particularly a, a journalist called Luna Safwan. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, I'm going to be breaking down the Netflix top 10. But before we get into any of that... I wanted to take a second to show some solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Tripoli who are currently protesting for their right to survive because of our government's horrible handling and bungling of the COVID response. They're forcing everyone into this total lockdown and they're not providing anyone with another alternative to earn a living, okay? If someone can't open their shop or if someone can't drive a taxi and you're forcing them to stay home, how are they supposed to survive? And if you're not providing them with any help or any financial aid, how are these people supposed to survive? So I just wanted to take a second. I know this is a show that normally just focuses on the stupid shit, and we're going to be focusing on a lot of that tonight. But it wouldn't be right to just gloss over what's happening in Tripoli and to just gloss over how our government is basically forcing people to stay home and not allowing them to earn a, a single penny. And what do you expect these people to do? How do you expect them to survive? If you're going to ask them to close their businesses, you got to provide some financial security. With that out of the way, we can get kicked off. All right, I got to be honest. This topic right here is going to be a nightmare to go through, for me at least, because it has so many moving parts. It's so complicated. Um, I know some of the people involved, but it just kept snowballing and growing on Twitter that I kind of feel like I have to address it. So here goes. Two days ago, I find out on Twitter that the syndicate for Lebanese journalists decided to try to get journalists on the priority list for getting the vaccine. They basically want Lebanese journalists to get the vaccine earlier than a lot of other people. In response to that decision, Lebanese journalist Luna Safwan puts out a tweet asking a few follow-up questions because it seemed like it was a bit unclear. I'm going to read her tweet. The journalism syndicate circulated an announcement today asking journalists who wish to take the vaccine to contact them. Questions. What about journos who are not registered with the syndicate? What about foreign journos? How are they prioritizing field journos versus editors? That was the tweet. A few moments later, her tweet begins to get quote tweeted and shared and shared and shared with people basically calling Luna out for not asking the right questions. Most of Twitter believes that Luna should condemn the decision coming from the syndicate 
because to most people, it doesn't make sense that journalists should get the vaccine before the elderly, uh, the, the sick, etc., etc. Luna then clarifies that that was not the intention of her tweet. Her tweet was trying to get clarification from the syndicate because she thinks they were being very vague. She, what she claims is that she's not trying to get on that list. She's not trying to get the vaccine. She's just trying to get the syndicate to clarify the vagueness of the document. That's not how Twitter interpreted it, though. And for the past two days, Luna has basically been in a battle with everyone on Twitter as to whether or not journalists are worthy of getting uh, um, the vaccine, of whether journalists are considered essential workers or not. It's just honestly gotten out of control. Let me just first start by telling Luna that I do think her initial tweet was poorly worded. And a lot of people did tell her that it was poorly worded. If, it, if, if you are trying to criticize the syndicate, you're doing a poor job of making that case. And, and I agree with that. And I'm going to read your tweet, Luna, the way I interpreted it when I read it as well. So when you're asking the questions, so what about journalists who are not registered with the syndicate? In my mind, I kind of read it as, are they also can they also get the vaccine? You know what I mean? What about foreign journals? Can they also get the vaccine? How are they prioritizing field journals versus editor? Like here it's trying, it's like, it's as if you're trying to see which journalists can get it first. I know that's not your intention. And I believe you when you say that wasn't your intention, but that is what it seemed like based on how it was written. So it was a poorly worded tweet. A lot of people asked Luna to just delete the tweet and like clarify. Luna kind of dug in her heels and she refused, and it has just become a back and forth on Twitter for the past two days. What I would have done to just save myself the headache, I would have just deleted that tweet and just clarified. And I also do want to point out that everyone is spending a lot more time at home and on Twitter than usual. So I don't even think this would have been that big of a deal in non-lockdown times. Like, already look, Twitter has always been a hellhole, all right? It is a pit of darkness and, and everything horrifying. So can you imagine how much worse Twitter is during lockdown when everyone is home tweeting 24-7? So I do think there's a lot of that on both ends. And I think, unfairly, Luna has become the poster child for the syndicate's decision to vaccinate journalists. And I don't think she should be. She was just asking some questions, poorly worded, and I get it. And I want to touch on the, fa on, on the whole debate that is taking place right now on Twitter. Are journalists essential or not? And look, that's a tricky one for me to answer. Who am I to sit here and say that journalists who sometimes risk their lives and their health to get us really important news aren't essential? Um, to be honest with you, the cornerstone of any democracy is a free and independent press. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, journalists aren't essential. But in when you're trying to hand out vaccines in a country like Lebanon, where there's already a lot of mistrust with the government, and we know that the government is going to hook up a bunch of their journalist friends, you can forgive the people for not trusting the government. You can forgive us for being a bit skeptical. But be, knowing that this is Lebanon, we know that this is going to be abused. And we know that, I think, in my opinion, any journalist who wants one is going to get one. Does that piss me off? Yes. And look, look, I want to put all my cards on the table. I like Luna. We've interacted a bunch of times on Twitter, on Instagram. I have nothing against her. I'm, I'm usually a big fan of her work. She, a common criticism of hers, and I don't know if it's true or not, 
is that she does tend to get defensive. If someone criticizes her, she'll interpret that as bullying or as being attacked right away when it's sometimes not the case. And look, I did see some of her responses to some of my friends on Twitter. She was clearly being very defensive. She, now she's in a state where I don't think anyone's having a rational conversation anymore. It's just people are being a little bit stubborn. No one wants to move. And I think she just doesn't want to delete that original tweet. To, to try to end the segment on a slightly more positive note, I wrote Luna a quick shitty song. I, I don't know how to play music or the piano, so I'm going to try to play some background piano music, but uh, don't judge me. All right? Here goes nothing. Luna, you just wrote about tweet. Luna, it's not too late to delete. Luna, I know it's no easy feat But Luna, it's not admitting defeat Just delete your bad tweet We just want the vaccine Thank you, thank you very much Okay, the next topic is a feud that I want to talk about that happened last week between Tony Kanan. He's a huge like Instagram uh, account. He's really funny. And uh, Adil Karam's comedy skit that was on MTV. So I don't know how long ago Adil Karam made a really lame comedy skit about mental illness. Um, and um, some a lot of people took issue with that skit because the way it because of the way it treated mental illness. Uh, it's sort of sakhafit uh, al-mawdu' in a way to say it in Arabic. And Tony, who is a huge advocate for, for mental illness and mental illness awareness, he's worked on a lot of awareness campaigns. So he took issue with that video and he made a critique of it on Instagram. It was like an eight minute video where he sort of broke down what didn't work about the video, why it was offensive, why it needed to be taken down. And a lot of people agreed with Tony, myself included. Uh, he made a lot of great points. Um, about an hour later or something, I don't know how much longer after Tony posted his, his video, it got taken down by Instagram and it, he got a message that said, we removed your post because it goes against our community guidelines on hate speech or symbols. If you post something that goes against our guidelines again, your account may be deleted, including your posts, archive, messages, and followers. Now I gotta say, that is really fucked up from Instagram. For this to have happened, it means a lot of people must have reported the video. Why the fuck would you do that? If you dislike someone's opinion on something, you can basically just leave a comment. I didn't even know that there were like MTV fanboys out there looking to defend MTV or Adil Karam's honor. It was a shitty sketch that a guy critiqued on Instagram. That's no reason to get a post taken down for hate speech. If any video was propagating hate speech, it was Adil Karam's original sketch. 
So I don't understand why Tony's video got taken down. Like, look, I'm used to YouTube, okay? There's something on YouTube called fair use. Any creator can use a piece of, of media, like a, a, a movie scene or a scene from a television show and not have their video taken down if they're providing a critique of it, if they're providing some context or information of it. Even if I hate it or, and, I, and I insult it and, and say that I hate it, no one can report my video and get it taken down. They can dislike the video. They can leave a comment saying that they disagree. But they don't have to report it and get the whole post taken down and put my account in jeopardy like they did with Tony. I don't know, man. It's pretty fucked up. And um, Adil's sketch came at like a horrible time where more and more people are struggling with mental illness, especially that everyone is stuck at home. There's limited access to medication in Lebanon because of the situation. So I don't understand it. I guess it's just because he comes from like the old school, you know, comedy, like Adil Karam's comedy is fucking stuck in like the 1990s. No offense to Adil Karam. He's a great dramatic actor. Like he's great in the insult. He's great in everything. I grew up on the guy watching SLC and shit. So I used to really like the guy, but his comedy is stuck in the past. Have you guys seen his fucking Netflix stand-up comedy special? It is unwatchable. It is unbearably unfunny. Okay. So those are my two cents. I stand with Tony, man. I agree with Tony in that situation. Like the video was shit. He was right to criticize it. It should not have been taken down. So I have, I take issue with Facebook and Instagram for taking that down. And uh, to be fair, MTV ended up removing their video off of their Instagram page as well, but they never apologized for it or anything. So I don't know, man. It's a war between old school comedians like Adil Karam and new school comedians like Tony. And at least Tony knows how to be funny without having to resort to this sort of shit. And Tony pushes the envelope. He's not like a cookie cutter comic. This Adil Karam sketch was such a like shit halak type of thing, you know, just misrepresenting people who struggle with mental illness. To say it in Arabic. And um, I agree with Tony. I stand with Tony, man. Okay, another week, another Lebanese Netflix top 10. Let us quickly break down the top 10 for this week. In first place, we have Fate, the Winx Saga. It's a fantasy TV show. Looks horrible. I checked out some reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Looks pretty bad. Lupin has dropped for the first time to the number two spot this week. So that is pretty cool. Still holding steady. Number three, Taken 3. Holy shit, the third Taken movie. Uh, this one, I think, is the worst of the three. Um, there's actually like a fucking hilarious scene in Taken 3, actually, where Liam Neeson is so old and it's so clear that he's old. They're trying to make him like jump over uh, a, uh, a fence and they need to cut it like 30 times so that you, you can't tell how old he is. Where is that thing? Here it is. Check this out. Look at all these. What? What the fuck? I got nauseous just by looking at the, these like two seconds. Right? Isn't that fucking crazy? Okay, so that is what is in third place. Taken three. I will find you. And I will kill you. I have a very particular set of skills. Let me know if that's a good Lee Meeson impression. Uh, Bridgerton, number four. Still holding steady in the top five. At number five is a new docuseries called Spycraft. Uh, sort of looks at the weapons, I guess, and the, the tech used by spies. Looks interesting. Number six, Den of Thieves. I haven't seen this movie. It's a, I think it's a couple years old. Number seven, Transporter Heritage. Um, I don't remember which one this is. I remember this is, the, this is the one without Jason Statham. This one fucking sucks. It's not worth watching. Uh, All the Money in the World at number eight, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg. I think this is the movie where they had to replace Kevin Spacey with um, Plummer, Richard Plummer, Christopher Plummer. Number nine, 
Snowpiercer, the series, just added new episodes. I watched a few episodes of the show. It sucked. Uh, the movie is way better. I don't even know why they're trying to make this into a show. The movie did it perfectly. So watch Snowpiercer, the movie, in my opinion. Skip this show. And at number 10, Queen's Gambit. Wow, it took a pretty big drop this week. But I mean, at this point, who hasn't seen it? It's lasted so long in the top 10. So Queen's Gambit is at number 10. That is good to know. Okay, so now that we're done with the Netflix top 10, I wanted to talk about Tenet, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I watched it yesterday for the first time. And if you guys don't know who Chris Nolan is, he's the director of Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Interstellar, Dunkirk, uh, Memento. He's one of the greatest living directors. I really like Christopher Nolan. I am a big fan, although I don't love all of his movies equally. But I love that the guy takes massive swings um, he's one of the only, honestly, maybe the only director in Hollywood who can get massive budgets from studios because they know that his name alone can sell the movie. When you know a movie is directed by Christopher Nolan, that puts butts in seats. So he commands power and respect in Hollywood that very few filmmakers have. And um, he takes very big swings. So that's why I like him. Tenet is his latest movie. And I'm not going to get into any of the plot details. A, because I wish I could explain it to you. I can't. I barely understood it. But B, it's also best for you to go in sort of empty and cold and uh, try to figure it out. Did I like the movie? Look, I tweeted yesterday that another name for Tenet should have been Christopher Nolan, the movie. It is such a Christopher Nolan movie through and through. Like, it starts off just like The Dark Knight. I got Dark Knight vibes right away, right from the intro. Uh, I got a lot of, there was a lot of inception in this movie, in the way they try to explain the whole like time inversion shit and stuff like that. There's a lot of inception in it. There's a lot of just Christopher Nolan moments. An audible uh, audio. What? Did I hear what this guy said? Not really. The, the, you know that, I don't know if Hans Zimmer composed this movie, but like Hans Zimmer sounding music. Like it sounded like a Christopher Nolan movie. It looked like a Christopher Nolan movie. You have all these good looking people in business suits and they're traveling around and it, so it feels like a Christopher Nolan movie through and through. You're not going to be disappointed. What I was just a little bit disappointed in is that it's a hard movie to follow. And it's kept vague and ambiguous on purpose. I still enjoyed it. And it honestly, to me, it didn't really get going until an hour and a half into it. The first hour and a half, there's a lot of cool shit that happens. But I honestly was having a hard time understanding what was going on. It's not about about like an hour and 35 minutes into it where they kind of start letting you in a little bit more on what's going on. And I started feeling a little bit more involved. Um, but ultimately, I didn't love it. It's one of Chris Nolan's weaker films, I would say. Still, a whole lot of style, very well directed, looks great. I recommend it to anyone, honestly. I do want everyone to see it because it is a Christopher Nolan. You don't get a lot of these movies, big original concepts, uh, a lot of practical effects. Christopher Nolan is known for practical effects, amazing IMAX sequences. I got to see it on my 55-inch TV, so it wasn't that bad. But I definitely recommend it. If you're a fan of Christopher Nolan, if you're a fan of sort of head scratchers, check it out. Not that satisfying. I don't like, I don't like it when a movie is confusing for the sake of being confusing and doesn't let the audience in on purpose. And I felt like this was a little bit of that. It feels a little bit pretentious at times. And sometimes the writing was just like plain cheesy and bad. So it is what it is. I don't really do numbers anymore. If I had to give it a number, I think I gave it like a three out of five stars on Letterboxd. It's a good movie. I recommend it. It's enjoyable, worth seeing, but not Christopher Nolan's best. 
to end this episode, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about a, um, an Instagram account and YouTube page that I recently found out about called The World Sucks. Um, it's a, a group, I'm guessing, of Lebanese people who are getting out there and basically handing people a bunch of money. Now, normally I'm against these kinds of videos. I find them kind of exploitative and like emotionally manipulative. But given the situation we're facing in Lebanon, I'm, I love this page. I love what these guys are doing. Um, they're basically handing people money, people who need it, taxi drivers, people who own bakeries, who, who have been extremely affected by the horrible situation in Lebanon, including these lockdowns. So let's just take a couple of seconds to watch a little bit of that footage uh, so you guys can get a better idea of what I'm talking about. <laughs> حلو واحد يعطي ايه؟ ملياردير راح مصرياته بالبنوك على الفاضي ما كان وزعهم احسن للعيله <تصفيق> والله معك حق وانت ما اكلت شيء عم توزع للناس خلينا نضيفك شغله ضيفني حماسك تعطي لغيرك هيدك هيدك كثير حلو ميرسي شو اعطينا مثل ما اعطيتني الداعيه So as you can see they're giving people who need it money and I honestly have a very hard time watching any of their videos without fucking breaking into tears. It's very difficult to watch their stuff without crying. And um, this video is no different. So I just really wanted to take a minute to just thank these guys. And I love the fact that they're not promoting themselves much. They hide their faces as often as they can. They hide the people's faces if they're not okay with being on camera. Um, as far as I know... This is not, they're not out there to, to, to make money themselves or to become famous. They genuinely are out there looking for people. I don't know how they're getting this money, where they're getting it from. I'm guessing from donations. It's just really, it's just really considerate, man. And again, I don't normally like these kinds of videos, but given how much the government has absolutely let these people go and ignored the elderly and our most, our most vulnerable people, it's sad to see that they need to rely on these donations to survive. You know, this, if they don't get this, they can't survive. And we're really at a point now where it's us looking out for one another. The government's not looking out for us. No one is out there looking out for these people. We have to do it. And the world sucks is a role model and should be commended for what they're doing. And I'm so glad that they're getting all the success. And they deserve it because honestly, there's a tear in my eye every time I watch one of their videos. I'm sure there's one in your eyes as well. And I'm sure you guys know them. I, was just, I just wanted to talk about them because I want to encourage them. And in case you didn't know about them, check them out because they're super awesome. And on that note, I want to thank you all for watching the episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. 
like this video, subscribe to the channel. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers. And when I do get to a thousand, I'm going to reveal the name of my followers. You know, how, like anyone with a channel sort of gives a name to their followers. Like Justin Bieber has his Beliebers. I have a pretty badass name for you guys. So I will reveal it once we get to a thousand subscribers. Thanks again for watching. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Anthony Sargon. You, all the links are in the description. You can find the audio links for Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Rami. It's all there. Thank you for watching. I really appreciate your time, guys. I love you all. And as usual, do not worry. Do not worry.